Pennsylvania Fictionist Club. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is the Manufacturers Club. I'm Sean. I'm Carl. I'm Zaheen. And welcome back. Thank you for joining us at the club. We hope to catch you in the club every episode. Where did we leave off, guys? I know we were talking about the Iron Man armor. We were talking about developing the Iron Man armor, some of the, the constraints on that. We talked about mm-hmm. the uh, the three dimensions of control, you know, time, scope, and resources, and how those kind of didn't apply to Tony too much, except for scope. And that led us to today's episode, testing. Mm-hmm. And if, mm-hmm. you know, maybe again, let's do a, a trigger warning. Trigger warning. Sugar. <laughs> um, I got you. Because any of you who have been involved in software development, even even as an end user, you've probably done some testing. And you can have fun doing anything with the right people, but testing is not fun. Yeah. Testing no. is a drag. <laughs> but let's just recap a little bit. So before, let, let's set the table for that testing and talk about, you know, we got through the previous episode Looking at the solution design, we talked about, you know, some of the the, the factors that were going to uh, impact Tony and, and Yinsen and Ho Yinsen uh, back in 1963. You know, the the oversight that's happening, the the availability of the materials, you know, the fact that uh, Tony may be malnourished, you know, may not be getting a lot of sleep, you know, may not be getting any of his needs met, and you know, to to which George Carlin would say in that situation, drop some of your needs. It, that's a true story. Within that, you know, difficult development environment, Tony has to produce this Iron Man armor that he's designed back in the, the episode before that. But once once you get to that point that you've you've developed your MVP, you've you've developed to your MVP requirements, you've got to find out whether or not it works. And you don't want to be in the situation where you're actually trying to escape the first time that you test it and find out that, oh, <laughs> this metal doesn't actually stop bullets. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, that would be uh, a bummer. It'd yeah. be a bummer. I'd say it's a bummer. Yeah, I think that would... Uh, I think that, that would... F- that constitutes as a bummer. Yeah, that would that would fail the test, right? I think. Uh, I think <laughs> that'd be a hard uh, fail. Yeah, I think that would fail the test. Uh, pretty pretty substantially. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And, 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 and so that would not meet the MVP requirement of survivability. Correct. <laughs> no. Um, so that you know, you've got to test to make sure that the requirements are actually met via the solution. So we're we're going to talk about this from a variety of different angles because testing is a very complex thing there's there there are layers of testing there's unit testing that you developers typically do before they pass on their code you know they 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 write the code they want to make sure for their own satisfaction that it works um then you know depending on where you work what your project is like maybe you have a team of QA testers you know Microsoft and probably all game developers but I, I know cuz I know the company that did all of the QA testing for Microsoft uh, Xbox games they've got you know legions of people that are just hammering away at every little piece of functionality you know the way things are displayed on the screen how the screens flow from one thing to the next spelling on the screen you yeah. know so we talked about that in earlier episodes quality assurance or quality acceptance depending on you know mm-hmm. where you sit uh, in the world then there's the concept of user acceptance testing which is where you you turn it over after you've done your QA and you say okay you person who's actually going to use this thing 
try it out. Here's a script we want you to follow that's going to test the functionality based on the use cases that we know you're going to be enacting in your, your daily life once this technology is delivered. So there are all these layers of testing. And then we get to Carl's favorite. Wah, yes, trigger, trigger warning. Wah, trigger. <laughs> Regression testing. So, wah, so wah. Carl, so I, I noticed like, the frequency is getting stronger. <laughs> Are you all right? <laughs> I don't know. I might have to take a couple of deep breaths, guys. Yeah, no. <laughs> we, we, we might want to change the name of this podcast to Smith & Wesson because we've got so many triggers. Oh. oh. You know what? I'll give it to you. Straight fire. <laughs> 3.5 out of 5 stars, my guy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'll try harder for five next time. But Carl, <laughs> would you do our our lovely audience the kind favor of describing regression testing? Sure. So, so. Quick disclaimer, regression testing is not my favorite <laughs> testing. And, that, and that's, that, that's why I wanted to put you on the spot. I understand. I appreciate that. <laughs> but, um, you know, essentially regression testing is, as Sean had mentioned, it's another layer of testing. And the main idea is that you are building something new. And so when it comes to regression testing, you are not only testing that the thing that is new works – but you also want to confirm that the thing you built that is new <clears throat> didn't break anything that existed before. Hence the regression. That's right? exactly. That's why it's called regression testing. And it's a pain point because that takes time. It takes time. And the other thing about it too is <clears throat> it takes resources because there's no guarantee. You got to test the whole thing front to back. That's exactly it. So there's no guarantee that the person who is testing the thing that has been the new thing that has been built has the skill set to also confirm that the things that existed before didn't break. Now, Very true. Zaheen, you work for a, a, a you know, we don't have to name anybody, but you, you work for a, a, a very technologically savvy company, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they would like to hear that. <laughs> um, just in case anyone uh, from Zaheen's management is listening, she, she, visibly came across much more confident than what she may have sounded like over over the podcast. So she she is a big believer in your technological bona fides. Um, but what I found in, in t the more technologically savvy companies is they get around some of that resource problem by doing automated regression testing where they have a, mm -hmm. a, a another piece of software that you know you basically just let it run overnight and in the morning you come in and you've got your test results is, do, do you do that yeah and i'll do one better as you build Why is gamora what? i'll do one better where is gamora <laughs> is that a it was yeah. it, it was it was a deep guardians of the no it was um uh, avengers infinity war yeah okay Play so it, really it's yeah. not a deep cut this is just because this is something that's mass it's just it's really just me <laughs> good to know <laughs> well we're, we're we're bringing you into the family join us we'll get Listeners, come, I will get there. <laughs> come, come, come gather around the digital campfire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So what we have been doing and what we have done in the past is, you know, as we go through and actually develop a product or even any sort of piece of functionality, you know, what we'll do is while that piece of functionality is actually getting developed, our QA resources will try to develop the automation so that at the end, you don't have a ton of, you know, manual test cases that now need to get automated. You can, you have something to work off of if you need to automate any additional regression. So yeah, you know what? I take my hesitation back. Not that, again, if my management line is listening, I was never hesitant. 
But no, no, she was she was the, the the look in her eyes, the fire that that she brought to that statement. You know, the the voice may have belied that, but her eyes they they they, they were yeah. convicted. My eyes had the sparkle of confidence. And you're just going to have to believe me because this is an audio format. We, we do have video, though. We, we, we can show the video later on, and that'll be on YouTube. Um, maybe maybe on uh, Patreon. We'll, we'll hide that one behind the, uh, the firewall, so to speak. <laughs> um, so you've got these different kinds of testing. And bringing it back to Tony Stark's situation, he's developed the armor. While these different types of testing are available to those of us in the real world who are developing software... They're not really all available to Tony for so many of the reasons we've already talked about, time constraints, Precisely. resources. So I think, you know, they one thing they do do a very good job of in the movie is they actually show him doing the unit testing mm. in, in the movie, which... They did, but that was after he escaped, though, right? No, no. Everybody, if you haven't watched Iron Man 1... <laughs> You know, Jason tried to challenge me a few minutes ago on some things, and <laughs> Carl, you're going down the same path. <laughs> I just watched it the other night. I assure you, as I made the note, I'll show you the notes. I have the notes. I believe you. Jason I'll... being our lovely off-mic team member. He's, for... he's going to be the guy in the chair, which, is, which <laughs> everybody, who's the seen, chair. everybody who's seen the Spider-Man Homecoming movie yep, knows, knows that, they... <laughs> that's, that the guy in the chair is the guy that helps out. Yep. I made that note because I thought it was really interesting watching the movie again the other night for the first time in a few years. That mm-hmm. they they actually did show him testing. So they also show him testing the later marks precisely that he that he works on back in Malibu. But mm-hmm. they, they they also show him doing it in the cave. Okay, um, not really in the comic book, but again, the, the '60s were a swinging time. Who had time for testing? I just had time to escape and get back to the ladies in Malibu if I'm Tony Stark. But without all of those different ways of testing, there are still some critical things that Tony needs to do. Mm -hmm. He's got a unit test. And what I mean by unit testing in this situation, not in the developer of coding solutions situation, Tony's got all of those individual parts of the armor that he's developing in you know the sequences that we discussed in the last episode. Now he's got to test each one of those to make sure that they're structurally sound. Mm-hmm. Then he's got to assemble them mm-hmm. and make sure that, that that assembly works and that they're still you know viable in terms of the movement around his body when they are assembled. He's also got to test, to to the extent possible, their bulletproofness, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, may have just coined a term there. I'm not sure. No, um, I think you did. But, you know, he's got to go through all of that unit testing to make sure that, you know, when the, when the day comes, probably on day six, instead of day seven when he's dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Day, day six when he tries to escape. Mm-hmm. He's proven that these pieces are all structurally sound. They meet the MVP requirements, and they are going to enable his escape and, you know, theoretically, Yinsen's escape as well. But mm-hmm. Yinsen winds up sacrificing his life to allow Tony, yep. um, you know, and in the both the comic book world as well as the MCU, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Tony could go back in time, you know, or do a little bit of a shout out to Yinsen and say, hey, my bro, thanks for keeping me alive. Mm-hmm. Much respect. Anyway, we're not here. We're not here to cast dispersions on Tony Stark and his lack of gratitude. So I want to go back to this idea of unit testing. And I want to go back to what you were talking about in the last episode, Zaheen, where you said you would start with the smaller pieces to maintain the secrecy. They're easier to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, are you testing each piece as you go along? Or are you waiting until you've got, say, 
two hands that you can test at the same time? So I think I would, so if I was building two hands, I would build the first one and do a series of initial tests, you know, like, okay, cool. These fingers, the fingers that I've built actually fit my fingers. The fingers that I've built can move the way that I need them to move. Okay, cool. That way you sort of give yourself a blueprint that you can replicate for the next hand. I think there, yeah, I think there are some things that you would, you know, test together, you know, well, you would need to make sure you have the same amount of flexibility in the bo- in both because that's what we're used to having. So you don't want to sort of limit your tactility there. So I think that's there are definitely some things that you would want to test together. But I think primarily you test one at a time. That way you don't build a ton of stuff and say, well, shit, this doesn't Dull. work. It's a dough moment right there. And just in case anyone is interested, uh, we will have another podcast called Tactility. So, so, you know, look, look out in the I future for that. Dactility with the D. Oh, dactility. Change yeah. the name. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Good. So totally agree with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. And while you were saying it, I, I went back to one of our MVP requirements, mm-hmm. waste elimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's only one way to test those, 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 those features. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you think Tony has the ability to just, you know, gin one up when he when he needs to test it? Or does he have to, like, wait till the next day after that Taco Bell has passed through the system? Listen, if he's getting Taco Bell, then he's being treated well. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. They, he's getting... He's, they're, they're feeding him good. Yeah. If he's getting Taco Bell, he's got the, he's got the laptop at Windows 7. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's fine. <laughs> Procurement's working well for him. <laughs> so... But but again, there is only one way to test that. So yes, there is. I think that goes into your your test plan, which you know, it would be part of your project um, in 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 any any case. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think you've got to say, well, there are only certain times of the day. Like, yep. let's say Tony's a coffee drinker. Uh, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but coffee does things to me, and so oh, yeah. I I would time I would plan my test of that functionality around when I have my coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's that's both both numbers without being graphic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think, you know, you you, you have to account for those kinds of factors in your test plan is what I'm getting to. So do you think that then actually changes the order of development? Because, you know, something Mm -hmm. like waste elimination, what if you can't be... You know, what if Tony's not regular? Exactly. What if he's not having his Activia? Procurement mm-hmm. process to get some X-Lax. Well, that's going to give I mean, you a different you, problem. You, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, then, yes, another. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just it's it's one one way to approach it. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but but I, that's, that's a, again, a valid point that we probably should have covered in our solution development episode previously. <laughs> but you know what? I actually think that this bringing this up now speaks to the actual like a realistic sort of planning process you know you don't think of everything at once only once you start thinking about testing once you start start thinking about deployment which we'll get to oh yeah um you know more that's foreshadowing when, more foreshadowing that's a that's when you really you you think of things that you didn't think of initially so i think this is a realistic way to to view planning as well okay I think, you know, we we don't want to bemoan waste elimination because we're not all 12-year-old boys with potty humor uh, fascinations. I'm a so, mature woman. Yes, and, <laughs> you know, fascinatingly so. Um, 
So I want to I want to <laughs> want to move on to some of the other components. So if you're going to go with the 2008 version for now, Tony builds in a flamethrower and a missile launcher. How in the world is he going to test those in a cave that's being surveilled by video? Because he's got to find those blind spots, and I he's got to find them quick. Th- they do show, you know, when he's getting not literally zipped up into the armor, but when he's being, you know, helped into the armor for the very first time by Yin Sen, you know, that they figured out that blind spot. So it's not obvious what's happening. Exactly. But, it's in the offshoot of the camera. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, fire a missile. Yeah. <laughs> that, I don't know if, you, if the blind spot's large enough to yeah. allow that. Yeah. Even if it's a blind spot visually, it's going to be loud. There's mm-hmm. going to be some, like, rocks crumbling, mm-hmm. some, like, mm-hmm. tumbling mm-hmm. of boulders. Mm-hmm. Because if the missile doesn't do that, it's failed. Yes. Precisely. Precisely. Same thing with a flamethrower. Mm-hmm. Do you really want to, like, test a flamethrower in an enclosed cave? Not, no, I mean, not a cave that I'm in. You are, as you might say, playing with fire. Yeah. And you may get Straight burned. Fire. And, and you may get burned. And violate your core requirement of survival. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's not great. It's slippery not great. slope, slippery yeah. slope. So I, I think what we're saying here is that this would be a planned deviation from the test. Oh, yeah. testing. Mm, you know. Yeah, and and that's that's something else that sometimes you have to incorporate into your your adjustments on the fly during your project. Well, you know what this would be. So there's like I think there's two po- there's there's at least two ways to look at it, right? So I think one way is. With the missile, I'm wondering, okay, he tests the firing mechanism just in terms of, okay, it'll deploy, but I'm not going to put the missile on there, right? That's a good point. And then for the flamethrower, I don't know, right? So, but then I think there's another, there's another universe where, you know, we get into the whole like risk side of things where he's like, this is a risk that I will take. Right. He's like, I put these on here and you know what? This is this is a day zero test. (laughs) It'll either work. You know what? You know what that's called? That's called testing in production. Exactly. That's called hope. (laughs) There there is. There is is an Internet meme out there that has the um, the guy from the Dos Equis commercials, the most interesting man in the world. And it says, you know, the, the text reads. I don't always test, but when I do test, I <laughs> test, test in, in production. production. <laughs> um, yep, I've seen that one. And every software development person has had a good laugh at that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I'm, um, sometimes with tears, <laughs> but you know, laughing while laughing through the pain, laughing while yeah. crying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so Tony may not test everything, but that's 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 an acceptable deviation mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. test plan. Mm-hmm. I think is what we're getting. Exactly. At. Yeah, I think as long as we can test the MVP requirements, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That that is and. I know what you said sounds simple and obvious, but it's it's one of those things that people can easily overlook. 100%. So thank you for saying it. Everyone listening is better for having heard that. Last component that I want to discuss, mm-hmm. because this, this and I know everyone's like, oh, there he goes, going to talk about the cod piece again. Mm-hmm. Wrong. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the helmet and the face mask mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Yep. that... You know, while it's it's maybe so, like one of the easier pieces because it doesn't have to be perfectly conformed to the head like the other mm-hmm. parts of the body sort of need, like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the chest piece really needs to sit on his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the helmet, you know, that, that can you, you can be a little bit loose with the, the specs on that. But the one thing that it has to do, and, you know, this is probably a, an unwritten requirement that 
if you really, if you had more than seven days to do deep dive elicitation and elaboration on your requirements, you would arrive mm -hmm. here, but he's got to be able to see out of that. That's now, a huge one. Testing that requires him to put it on. Mm -hmm. So that's another area where that blind spot's got to come into play mm -hmm. in 2008, where mm -hmm. he can't be seen on video. In 1963, tells of suspense number 39, 12 cents at your local newsstand back then. It's not clear, like we've talked about in the previous episodes, it's not clear how often he's being checked on, mm -hmm. you know, what, what the sort of surveillance regime is like. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, maybe he's, he's got a little more freedom um, in, in that situation, but certainly in 2008 with the video surveillance, he's got to be off camera putting the mask on because yep. otherwise everyone in the world is going to be like, I've never seen a Jericho missile yeah, with a they're mask. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Jericho missile doesn't need eye holes. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. No. Something looks weird here. Yep. Okay, so those are the, the those are the major components that would need to be tested. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think question, question for the two of you, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're on the helmet and this and this goes back to like our requirements before, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I think the helmet would be one of one of the more challenging pieces to build right precisely because he has to you have to you have to see now carl po point of order when you're going to disagree yes you, you do it like okay not not this time but next time bill umber please oh the bill umber he's like yeah because <laughs> <laughs> you're disagreeing with what i was saying i was saying that it's probably easier yes with the helmet you're saying it's more difficult i yes i am saying that yeah about that helmet <laughs> yeah once again, I will act as mediator and referee. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you who's right. Fantastic. And so um, I think the helmet may actually and it's, be... Um, count to three, one submission? Yes. Okay. Exactly. And so I think it may be one of the, the harder pieces, actually, right? Just because, you know, the human head weighs, I don't I forget what, like six to eight pounds or something like that. I think I saw that a couple of years ago. And then not only that, but like the neck is mobile. And so... He has to be able to see, he has to be able to breathe, but then that's a requirement he has to figure out for himself, right? Like, does he need to be able to turn his head or not? I mean... Oh, this is this is now getting into Dark Knight territory. Precisely, right? How for decades, Batman couldn't turn his head until the Dark Knight. <laughs> is that real? It's not a uh, joke. It's, it's, yeah. That's in the movie, it's true. yeah. See, it's true. Zaheen, you're crying, but it's so true. Like, it's actually really funny. <laughs> it's the first, like... Every time Batman needed to look... That's what he Full did. Full body pivot. That's what he did. That's what he did. <laughs> From Michael Keaton to Val Kimmer to George oh, Clooney man. to Christian Bale. That takes some acting. That was it. It was but, a full body turn. And it was only in The Dark Knight in like the 2007. It came out in 2008. 2008. That's when they figured out like, oh, we actually know how to make the suit so he can turn his head. That That's... I think that's the key element that why people would say Christopher Nolan's Batman movies are grounded in reality. Yeah, right. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he could turn his head, but you know, but it's a serious thing, though, right? And so that's something that he would have. That's something Tony would have to figure out in his requirements, and test. right? And, and you have test. to test that, right? But I don't know. So I I get where you're coming from, especially with the turning the head. I did. For those of you watching video, just turn my body instead of my head, but <laughs> that's okay. We got where I was going. But I wonder if that's really so different than, you know, moving your joints, moving, mm -hmm. you know, your wrists around because wrists also have circular motion, for yes. instance, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think in in having already developed and built that, you get a sort of sense of how the head will turn. And also I kind of agree with where Sean was going. The head doesn't need to be, it doesn't necessarily need to be head shaped. It could just be like 
a globe yeah. with some okay. eye holes. Completely agree with that. Yeah, completely agree. With so that. Yeah. I get where you're coming from, though. Like the the head really does need. I think I think the complexity with the head is that the head needs a little bit of extra reinforcement because if anything pops through that head, I mean that's a major. That's a fail. Out. That's a fail. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not good. <laughs> yep. you or know. as uh, as I one of my favorite episodes of Cheaters when the guy. Uh, you know, finds out his girlfriend's been cheating on him with one of his friends and they happen upon them in a public park. The guy that was being cheated on starts knocking over the wine bottles and he's yelling out, party's over. <laughs> party's over. Was this was this the original Joey Greco or the uh, the Clark Gable? Oh, this is, this uh, is the, the Clark Gable uh, vehicle. Okay, that's the Clark Gable. Yeah. Okay. So, Zaheen, when you were describing the shape of the helmet, you gave me an insight into a musician that I don't think we brought up on the show before. Do you think Buckethead was an Iron Man fan? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> you know what? That's a, that is a question. That, that, that one was as much for Jason. That, was a, that wasn't even a deep cut. That was like, that was like, let the, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't oh want to live a day in this mind. Oh Things my happen. God. Oh my God. <laughs> um, all right. It, Good breaking point where we're, you know, we, we went to a place in Buckethead that we never thought we were going to go. Yeah, and, and that's actually a breaking point. So it's, it's a so, personal breaking point. We, we need some recovery time. Um, so everybody, get hydrated. Smoke them if you got them. We'll be right back. And he went. And chicken. All right. That was a good exhale. Thank you, Zaheen. Um, so we talked about the components, how you would test them to some extent, why you're testing them, what you're, what you're validating. One of the interesting wrinkles that we've talked about before with Tony is he's not only going to be the end user of the technology, he's also the developer mm -hmm. of the technology. And that presents a distinct problem in designing tests, which is he's biased as the developer. Mm -hmm. So he knows what his MVP is. He knows what he's developing for. He knows what he wants to accomplish. But is he going to be able to comprehensively test the Iron Man armor to ensure that it meets the requirements? Now, you're probably sitting at home saying, you guys have referred to him as genius so many times. Even geniuses have blind spots. And this, this, is, a, this is a problem, I think, for Tony that he may not even be aware of. Mm -hmm unless he's toiled in the QA salt mines of a software or technology firm. I think this is, this is where having that, that second set of eyes, Yin Sen, available to sort of, you know, do, do some not, not actual testing validation per se, although he could certainly participate in that, mm -hmm. but do, do some validation of the test plan. I, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have definitely gotten – things to test from a developer where they say, yep, this works. And you test and you go, no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's because, you know, they're they're testing what they developed as opposed to testing for the requirements, which mm -hmm. is why you need that second set of eyes. Mm -hmm. 100%. Carl is, is mm -hmm. nodding his head. Oh, yeah, 100%. Vociferously. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly what Zaheen said. 100%. We've been there where they're part of the puzzle, but their piece of the puzzle isn't the same as, you know, our quality assurance testers, and it's not the same as our stakeholders, right? And so it's one of those things where both those things can be true. Like, yes, the piece that you wrote does work, right? The test that you wrote for your piece do work. But then you coded, you know, for this thing. But ultimately, what the stakeholder is looking for is X. And so for you, you're like, I'm testing for X. 
and I didn't see that. And so, yeah, both mm-hmm. those things can be true, right? That's the important thing for our audience where it's that when in the situation where we've been handed that, it doesn't mean that the developer was wrong. No, it's happened before where it's like, yo, you're right. You built something and for your test, it did succeed. I'm just letting you know that what you built, although your test succeeded, what the ultimate stakeholder is looking for, it didn't meet that. I want to see the email back from the developer that says, am I wrong, dude? (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) And then the return email of, you're not wrong, Wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. He's like, my name's not Walter. It's like, okay, fine. (laughs) Um, Do your movie research, developer. Okay, so with, with that problem stated... And acknowledging, again, that Tony has done a bad job of incorporating Yinsen into his planning. Do we give Tony enough credit? And I'll tell you my answer first, and then you guys weigh in. Which is? Do we give Tony enough credit later in the process after he's been told, you you know, you need to keep me more involved in the planning process? Does Tony then say, okay, I've got a blind spot here for the testing. Maybe this isn't quite right. I really need him to take a look at this. I think he does. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, because it, and, and there's, there's two reasons why mm-hmm. one, because he got called out to his face. Mm-hmm. Does that doesn't always turn people around, but mm-hmm. you know, frequently, especially in, you know, the Zaheen, I think this is a, perhaps a particular trigger warning for you. No, oh, no. Well, well, let's hear it first <laughs> and then I'll, um, cause I think, Two guys challenging each other that way is is a different dynamic than oh, a guy yeah. challenging a woman. In, yeah, womp trigger, womp yeah. trigger. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's definitely true. Um, I've definitely experienced where, you know, someone else of male persuasion will say something and will not really get challenged, but then I'll say it and I will get challenged, and I'm like, mm. I don't think that's true, Zine. Thank you. <laughs> Example right there. I need a. Anyone got a gun around here? <laughs> we have a lot of triggers. We should have some guns. Smith and Wesson. Um, <laughs> but no, like that's that's definitely happened, and it is definitely frustrating. But I think I I personally have been very lucky in that the people who do get listened to have been really good advocates for me, and will sort of back up what I'm saying. So if there is that doubt that gets cast upon something that I say, even though someone else, again, of male persuasion said the exact same thing and no one doubted it, that person will often be like, well, you know, I agree with this. So yeah. And sometimes challenges are, you know, they are valid and are worth, are worth looking at. And we, you know, we can't just assume that it's, that I'm getting challenged because I'm a woman, but sometimes that for sure is the case. And it is definitely it's definitely frustrating. Any any women or or people who don't identify as men, I guess it could be women non-binary people. Yeah, we're we're an inclusive yeah. club. Anyone you everyone's know, welcome. We'll have, you know, we'll even open up a message board so that we can all talk about our experiences there and uh commiserate. <laughs> yeah. So I think Tony being challenged as as a guy, so I'm I'm Carl, you can weigh in on this in a moment too, but mm-hmm. speaking as a guy, when you get called out by another guy, it's like, it's, it's, it's an unspoken, like, don't ignore it mm-hmm. sort of thing where, and I, I mean, for me personally, it's anyone who 
calls me out and says, you know, you've done this wrong or you're behaving inappropriately, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. you know, my moon being in cancer makes me very sensitive. And so I, I respond to that immediately and be like, oh, God, I, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, the other reason I think Tony is going to respond is, well, it's actually, it's 2A and 2B. One, having been called out, he's not just responding to being called out. He's also sort of saying, okay, what, this guy's actually valuable. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's, he's done some good stuff for me. He's already saved my life. Like, yeah, let me include him in that. Mm-hmm. And 2B is, holy shit, I'm running out of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm. Lots of <laughs> That's the thing, right? You know, yeah. like, like, like Steve Miller said, Time and keeps on ticking, ticking, tickin', exactly. ticking. It is. Hey, Tony, <laughs> you you can you can either listen to Yin say or you don't. Right, your choice. Yeah. Clock still ticking. Yeah. I think Clock's I think actually. Ticking. So, based off of my understanding of Tony Stark, I think if it was just anyone who sort of called him out, he might have a little bit of an ego and be like, ah, "I know more than you." But we've established that at least Ho Yin Sen is someone that Tony really looks up to, right? So I think hearing, you know, a bit of a call out from someone you really respect and someone whose intelligence you really value and recognize, I think that will actually be a little bit of a check. And I don't think if it was just like some Joe Schmo off the, no offense, Joe Schmo, but if it was some Joe Schmo off the street, I don't think he would really have responded with, oh, you know what? You might be right. Yeah, I I, I completely agree that the the respect factor is is Mm -hmm. going to carry some weight. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we take another mm-hmm. break. In laying out, and you know, just to be clear, Tony in in a cave or in the Vietnamese jungle, he's not writing down a test plan. He's just formulating all this in his head, which is another way to feed his bone bias. You know, because sometimes, you know, when you write something down, you sort of catch, oh, mm, that's not quite complete. Mm-hmm. But let's let's just for for the moment, let, let's say that genius part of Tony is able to compensate for his blind spots, not the blind spot of the video surveillance in the cave, but the blind spot in in his own psyche. Let's say that he is, and he's able to come up with a good test plan. Would Tony in this time constrained environment, whether in the jungle or in this cave, would he talk it over with Yin center? Would he just say, listen, here's what I need you to test. Just go do it. I think time constraint, he's just going to tell him to do it. He's going to respect the fact that he got called out and he's going to include the guy in the planning and the execution of the testing. Mm-hmm. But he's he's not going to like have a, do you think this is right? I think he's just going to go, we, you know, we, we don't have time to fire that missile into that wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's definitely, I think yeah. he's definitely dealing yeah. with like I dealing agree. with the stress of that time constraint where, you know, maybe he is able to put his ego down a little bit and say, okay, yes, I will accept help from this other person who is, you know, a genius, but you know, who else is a genius? Me. Me. So, uh, suck it nerds. <laughs> exactly. So this is the way we're going. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And, you know, um, I know I said in an earlier episode, first one's free to, to Kevin Feige. So I'm still going to put this one out there, but I'm hoping it, it leads to something. I want to see the behind the scenes movie of Tony and Yinsen, like their throughout their day, not just those that, you know, the, the bits that made it into the montage, but I want to see Tony going, Yinsen, come on, do you have to eat now? 
We need to test this. <laughs> the shrapnel is making its way into my heart, man. <laughs> Help me out. All right. There's one more aspect of the testing, critical aspect of the testing that we haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to tell you what it is until we come back from the break. So take a quick break, hydrate, smoke them if you got them. We'll be right back. All right. We have reached the other side of the break, which means it's time for me to pay off on that tease that I gave you before the break and tell you what that important aspect of testing is that we haven't covered yet. It is what some people call the acceptance criteria yep. or yep. the exit criteria mm-hmm. for the test. Mm-hmm. That's key. Yep. And what that means is what are the conditions by which you say this thing has satisfied the requirement. So there's one thing to just say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to test it. But if you don't know what you're testing against and you, you can't ever say, well, yes, based on these criteria, I, I can say that this has met the requirement and therefore it passes. And now that concept of the acceptance criteria spans all of the different flavors of testing. Mm-hmm. It's not just for UAT, which is where it often is associated, but it's also, you know, if it's not explicitly spelled out in quality acceptance, you know, those, those are still scripts that the QA testers are following and they have things to say, this is what has to happen for you to say this step passed. Mm-hmm. So for Tony, I think Based on what we've talked about with the MVP requirements, we have some very obvious acceptance criteria. The bullets do not penetrate the metal. Mm-hmm. Breathing is is possible. Mm-hmm. Shrapnel does not advance further into the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever waste he produces does not remain in the suit mm-hmm. or is 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 somehow uh you know chemically processed so that it isn't just mm-hmm. you know him sitting in a diaper exactly <laughs> yeah that's that's okay. another another area where that word moist comes in <laughs> and, and becomes really visceral it just gets worse and worse yeah, yeah it doesn't get that, better that, that mm-hmm. was we, trigger warning we probably should have thrown <laughs> it. trigger <laughs> trigger um but there, there might be some some other not obvious acceptance criteria, such as we, we've talked about the helmet. Mm-hmm. You know, he may have designed the eyes to be a certain size, thinking they were sufficient. But at what angle of vision mm-hmm. do you say this meets the requirement? Is it something that you can only know once the helmet is on? Mm-hmm. Or is it something you can say it's got to be 140 degrees <clears throat> Of of angle a uh, uh, field of vision, mm-hmm. and then how do you test that it's exactly 140, 140 degrees? degrees. Right. <laughs> um, but so that could be another example of an acceptance criteria that's less obvious. Yep. Um, Carl, I th- I'm seeing in your eyes you've you've got an idea of something else for acceptance criteria that we haven't talked about. <clears throat> well, it's the fact that it's the fact that given this world we're in with Tony, right? It's that. I think his acceptance criteria would be iterative. Oh, that's the, the that's another big software development word. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, iterative. I, I think it would be just. Let's be, expand on that. Oh, what yeah. do you mean? Oh, I'll tell you exactly why, and I'm, I'll tell you I'm exactly gonna, how. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm doing my my mime. I'm drawing. I see you've been. Out of I it. see you've been. You guys have been working on your mime game. It's looking strong right now. <laughs> um, well, you know, I did have to earn some money in Times Square last night, so. Well, you also stayed at the Holiday Inn, right? So, I mean. Yeah, uh, Holiday Inn <laughs> Express. Oh, oh, okay. There it is. Just Holiday Inn Express where <laughs> the doors open. And so, um, 
a lot of these things that we're talking about, right? He'll put them on and he'll test them, but then in the process of doing it, he'll realize, oh shoot, I need more. Right. Well, like this and isn't actually precisely, acceptable. Precisely. And so like when well, we were that, talking that's about the unit testing. Well, but then where the acceptance testing comes in though, where I think it would be like where I where I'm thinking of it being iterative, for example, is earlier Zaheen was talking about the unit testing for like make sure one hand works, then you have a blueprint for both hands, right? And then you can move, fine, right? So those unit tests have work. But then checking if both hands work by themselves is not the same as wearing the full suit of armor. No, 100%. And then walking around with this thing, right? So that's where I'm talking about And when you say this thing for those people not watching the video. Sure. When I say this thing, I mean the full armor from the helmet down to the chest piece, the cod piece. Well, you you made a a gesture around your eyes as if to indicate the eye holes. Yes, exactly. That's That's the gesture that I made. That's what I was drawing out. Yes, thank you for that. Yes, that was a gesture that I made to show that, to like, signify the eye holes essentially right so format yeah it's amazing (laughs) carl like i think all three of us you know uses his hands to speak i do and it's it's yeah it's very emotive it's 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 a very quiet and subtle way that the three of us have bonded i think it is it's very much so and so that's what i mean by that piece right there right where it would be iterative because putting all those pieces together right that'd be a perfect example of it passed the unit test but now that you're looking at the whole construct Mm-hmm. You go, oh, shoot. Yep. And yep. so I can definitely see situations where he puts on the whole suit and then he goes, oh, shoot. No, that's not good. Oh, one, once again, th- thank you for keeping that family mm-hmm. friendly. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of you who are not watching the video, Carl made the sprinkly celebratory mm-hmm. gesture with his hand. That's exactly it. That was exactly it. Um, and, you know, while I'm helping to translate Carl's gestures. I don't want him to stop. <laughs> Keep those gestures coming. Well, you know what? According to my unpublished almanac, um, <laughs> exactly. According to my unpublished almanac, that is a sign of um, well played. <laughs> That's what um, that and, and that is a sign of the in further enrichment of the character of Carl. Yeah. Yeah. That, that he has an unpublished almanac. Exactly. Yeah, that's something I didn't know. And uh, we're all learning in real time. Fun aren't fact, we? it's never coming out. <laughs> well, that's why it's the unpublished almanac. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But but that that you've made the choice to keep it unpublished because most most people who would go through the effort of creating an, an almanac, they're like, I'm not keeping this to myself. The world <laughs> needs this. That's mm-hmm. true. Because I think you know one of the interesting things about human behavior is we all have some you know we in, not not necessarily in every area of our lives, but we all have some inflated sense of our ourselves that we think is important. Mm-hmm. For example, the three of us recording this podcast right now, we think someone wants to listen to this. Oh. It takes it takes a certain <laughs> amount of ego to record a podcast. That's that's for sure. I will absolutely avow I'm I'm at the leader. I'm the leader of that pack probably. Um, even though I don't like the sound of my own voice, I love talking. <laughs> Talking, talking, talking. That's what I'm doing right now. You don't like to hear your voice, but you like to hear yourself talk. I don't mm. like. I, I don't like listening to myself afterward on the re- the recording. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm making a hand gesture right now when I'm saying this. I'm talking about this entire experience. Yep. Um, which is what I hope everyone who actually has decided this is worth listening to is having. I hope they're having the same experience of enjoying it as much as we are. Exactly. <laughs> um, last thought. Mm-hmm. We've talked about acceptance criteria, exit criteria. At what point 
does Tony say, okay, good enough, I'm done? Oh, so I'll tell you how. And Zaheen, you're going to like where I'm going with this one. So the clock Amazing. is still the yeah. clock is still ticking, right? So he is seven days. So basically, you figure if it's... Day six. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, we're good to go. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> he's not He's not escaping on day five. Well, you know what's interesting? He could escape on day five if it worked, right? Yes. But if it failed, he, he, there's no day six, seven, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so day six is like, it's like, and this is where, you know, we're playing into the whole like lag lead thing again, right? But it's basically like day six is like that threshold where it's like, I'm cutting it close, but you know what? If I go out, I'm going to go out swinging because if I miss, I'm sure they're not going to bring me back to the cave. But so, if I make it, I still made it before the day seven finish, right? In that in that sense, Tony is like Gary Sheffield. He's taking big cuts at the ball. Oh, yeah. But he's get, he's, he's never he may even have his metronome. And and his, the bat waggle? The bat waggle. Yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that goes back to what we talked about in the last episode, that as day seven approaches he can reduce the scope of his testing. Mm-hmm. That is, that is mm-hmm. a dimension of control that he has. Mm-hmm. Now, when you do that in the real world, you know, hopefully no one's lives are being threatened by a deadline. But That's true. Um, in the real world, when you have to, you know, sort of rush things out the door because, you know, you've, you've made a promise to a customer who's expecting a product to arrive uh, on a certain day at a certain time, and you say, okay, we're, we're just not going to complete all the testing. You write down that deviation to your test plan so it's recorded so that everyone knows when, when X thing doesn't work, well, he, we had to deliver it. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a choice. There is never a shortage in any industry of CYA. Yep. Not, not uh, you know, least of which in software. Very true. Uh, software development. So they're, they're you know, the, the, again, the, the, the looming deadline hanging over Tony's head not only is affecting his development, it's not only affecting his design, it's affecting his testing. And there is a point beyond which he cannot test because he must try to escape before he dies. Mm-hmm. Now, if if just playing out a scenario here, what if he is satisfied on day five that it works? Does he take the extra day <clears throat> to, to maybe, to, you know, okay, now that I've got the MVP, let me add a flamethrower <clears throat> that'll, that'll make it easier for me to get out because I think I can do that in, in another day. I think it's a balancing act, no, because if everything is tested and he has his MVP and he's ready to go, then he's like, yes, excellent. I can leave. But if he wants something to could go wrong in, in the execution of the escape, 100 percent. But also, if he decides to stay and, you know, add one of those nice to haves like a flamethrower, what if he messes something up on his suit and he mm. sort of screws himself? The regression test failed. Mm hmm. And what if in that process he gets discovered in, you know, putting by together a, this by a talent agent from Hollywood? You know what? It's his time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I really like the work you did there on that armor. Yeah. We got an opening in a new picture. Yeah, it turns out that agent's from a Raza agent, like Raza agents. By the way, I, <laughs> I love that like the old Hollywood people always refer to them as pictures. Oh, I never obsessed. movies. It's us. so funny to me. <laughs> um, we got this great picture coming up. Um, yeah, I just did a stereotypical agent in the, or uh, Hollywood producer, and it was it was offensive. So, trigger warning. Apologies. Trigger. Um, well, 
We, we, you know, it, it was complex. It was, mm-hmm. There was some heavy lifting involved, but we've mm-hmm. tested. We, we've, we've gotten the Iron, Iron Man armor through its barrage of testing. Now, whether it's day four, day five, day six, it's time to deploy because we've, we've got our MVP. We've tested it. We know that it, it can, it'll meet our MVP requirements, even if we don't have that lovely little flamethrower accessory that, you know, would be really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it's time to deploy, but not in this episode. No. No, we're going to come back and do another episode where we're going to wrap up this whole season and talk about the deployment of the armor, how you go from Tony's escape with Mark One, the MVP, to all of that other development you see in the rest of the movie. So if you are ready to have that conversation, join us in the next episode. We are the, the Manufacturers Club. Club. See you next time. Same bad time. Same Same bad bad channel. channel. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you want more behind-the-scenes content, you can subscribe to our Patreon. And if you want some updates, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks to Gotham Podcast Studios. Special thanks to Raul. And again, I'm Zaheen. I'm Carl. And I'm Sean. We are the The Manufacturers Club. Club.